0: So, welcome back to Leaders of Consulting, the show that brings you interviews with experts in the trenches at the forefront of consulting, sharing their own perspectives, tips, and resources they picked up along the way for your listening benefit. On this episode, we're joined by Roy Hunsratch, who is the managing director of Roy Consulting Incorporated, his own consultancy, and uh, he's also a st- strategy advisor for InsureTech NY and a uh, one of the brains behind the CoSolo community of consultants. So Roy, it's great to have you on the show.
1: Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Really excited.
0: Yes. Uh, Great to finally have you on. Uh, This has been in the works for some time. Uh, But Roy, why don't you uh, kick us off with one unique approach, tip, tool, or strategy that you think other consultants should know about that maybe they don't?
1: You know, it, it's kind of the basics of tools and strategies. It comes down to a mix of common sense tools and strategies that I like to apply. And I call the ready, willing, and able view of the world in and, and, and the consultant world. And uh, I, I break that down as that with clients and even yourself, you got to really understand if you're ready. Is, are you really ready to get involved with certain clients or certain tasks? And with them, are they willing? Is is both parties willing to actually do it? And then, in terms of, is this the right time of doing it with the ready? Willing is, hey, both party agrees to the terms. The able comes down to capacity and capabilities. I think that with those three functions, it's kind of common sense. But there's levels below that that pulls into you know whatever kind of consultant you are. There's change. There's Operations and execution. I think that's one of the hardest things to actually get started, and that's where the inertia really happens with those three factors of being ready, willing, and able.
0: Right, and um, when you say that, are you thinking of the stakeholders involved in the whole project, or purely from the sort of client side, or or?
1: I think it's. It's both sides. Uh, you know, Not the client has to be ready, willing, and able, but you also have to be ready, willing, and able. Uh, some of my partners are always saying they're ready, but unless they, and one or two of them, unless they have like only three projects in play, I'm not going to overload them because then I want to have the attention needed uh, to be successful. I want to be successful. And with my partners, I want to make sure they're successful. And that comes to being ready. And the client's, Being ready really means a couple things to me. Are you financially ready to take this on? Are are you ready from all the stakeholders? Are they ready? Is this meaning your timeline to get started now? Are there outside influences? And the willingness there's always going to be some naysayers in that group of clients. But if they're willing to at least try, I think that's kind of a, a temperature check that needs to happen. And, you know, an assessment of able. Is kind of understanding what's required to get this done. Do I have the right skill set with even my own team? I would say I'm not a novice or design person, but you know, there's some experts who know a little more than me. I, I want to bring them on my team. Uh, you've had Deepak Lawani on your call. He's my partner in crime when it comes to that. I pull him on, and even the clients, if they're if they have the capacity and capability to do things. The ability to do it now is finding the right talents they need in-house. And I'll bring on, you know, if we need to hire or staff them, we do that as well. Right. Excellent.
0: Yeah, I love that approach. And uh, just thinking, to you know, of any you know particular bodies of work that have been formative for you or have, you know, had an impact on you, whether it's professionally or personally, is there any book or article or, or podcast that comes to mind for you?
1: Now, you know, I, I've had this business crush on Tim Ferriss for a long time because I think um, my whole career goes through efficiencies, right? And I would say his podcast uh, has been one of the most uh, influentials in how I work, right? So, my career thread has always been process improvement, Lean Six Sigma. Look at all these acronyms that I have in there, right? Like LSS and process improvement, green belt, black belts. But it comes down to, are you working smartly and efficiently? <laughs> And there's things that you should work in your core. So I I love Tim Ferriss's uh, community and his podcast. It's kind of interesting. I have a couple of his books up there, and, and that really adds a lot of flavor to how I do things. Done.
0: Are there any particular episodes that stand
1: out for you? You know, the whole concept of outsourcing was very fascinating for me. And being of of Indian heritage, you know, it's like I can use my own people. That, I thought that was hilarious <laughs> in terms of it, and in terms of like. Hey, I already have the context out there. My wife is a menu. Why not talk to some of the, the people out there? And I never thought about it that way. And leveraging the economies of scale out there uh, and helping them out, actually, yeah. get started. Those folks out there was really um, influential. Uh, I believe one of the, the podcasts he had or the references, uh, it, was, it was a very old one many years ago. Something about my, my guy. My guy, my guy out there or something. I forgot what it is, but it was, it was my guy in India, my guy in India, somebody like that, right? Yeah. But, but it made an impact to me and there's so many more companies out there. It just opened my eyes up to possibilities. I thought that was huge in terms of uh, just the resource and he continues to deliver great insights and resources out there. Now you asked me another question about person, right? And I would say this might sound funny, but the person that actually, uh, gave me a lot of impact was my dad because my, my dad the quick story is my dad uh didn't have a lot of formal education i think he dropped out of school around sixth or seventh grade uh, but he went back and got some uh, some training and and in, in terms of education wise but he's a he's been an electrician for many years he's a very smart man he actually taught a little bit ironically i don't know how he did this without his degrees but he he left. Uh, south america he got a grant to come here and teach and be a uh, uh, uh excuse me get an education in electrical and end up being instead of being a student he actually teaches a part of the class which is kind of weird <laughs> right uh but he ended up teaching these other electricians uh tricks of the trade and he moved his way up became an electrician and i think the impact for that of taking something and you don't have to have all the degrees you just have to have a skill set that you can develop and he went about it very different path and i thought that was very interesting and, and he, he taught me a couple things taught me you know not every pass for everybody and you know sticking to the hard road might be uh beneficial in the long run and i gotta stop thinking of short short gains here uh and just the way he did things he had a lot of challenges and he overcame and uh it, it, it enlightened me and one day i'm gonna write a book about my dad i already have the 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 uh, the title. It's called Old Father, uh, and it really is an, uh, a tribute to my dad and the times we used to sit down on the couch on a weekend, right before we went, we went out and watch an episode of Looney Tunes with, uh, I think it was Sylvester the cat and his son, and he goes, oh, father, like, what did you do now? And that's pretty much my, my dad <laughs> in terms of uh, some things, but he had no fear. He went out there and did what he had to do, and he brought it back to a point where you know, he left with this one quote, if it's to be, it's up to me. So he all said, you don't have to hire everybody. You can do anything. Just put your mind to it. And I thought that was actually amazing. Uh, and I, I use that uh, in everything I approach. Love it.
0: Love it. And uh, if we transition a little bit into um, some of the, you know, the the expertise you provide and, and the clients you work with, um, can you tell me like what your ideal or typical client um, is and what, what, kind of challenges they come to you with and how do you either find them or do they find you? What, what's, what does that typically look
1: like? Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to, I'm going to address this in two different ways. The clients I have right now, and then the dot, ideal clients, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, my background has given me just like the transition talking about my dad to this is <laughs> I can do anything. But what am I best at, right? is really the question, right? And where do I want to focus my time and provide the best return for both clients and myself? And so in my portfolio, I've worked with mostly insurance clients and that takes up about 70% of my my portfolio. And in there, we have some banking. I've also branched out to consumer product goods, uh, manufacturing, and technologies. Now with that, you know, where I am trying to identify those ideal clients are those who are trying to get to the step of figuring out in their organization, how they get to the next level. And I'll call this in the, the, the three horizons, They're either starting out early, trying to figure out how to grow and how to expand when it comes to their customers needs or understand their business better. Right. That's the core functionality I'm trying to improve upon. It just so happens I have a lot of expertise in insurance and computer uh, and consumer product goods. And that ideal client is either small or medium business trying to get that first level to figure out how do I get become the company I want to be in five years from now? What's that roadmap look like? What do I have to do to get there? Is it a growth? Is it, and I'll use buzzwords and I hate, I know consultants love these things, but is it uh, customer engagement? Is it, is it looking at intelligent operations, or is it looking at risk management? Now let's put some and whatever you put in front of it, it could be AI, it could be digital. People don't have the understanding of the basics of. Let me educate myself in the first level. What's out there, and then part of that advisory is that first thing that the ideal client needs, and the second thing is it's a journey. Once we figure out what the, what the um, what's out there, what is possible. We start formulating that roadmap in the second part. And and the ideal client will will be a a partner to get there. And they just need a trusted advisor. Either they're going to buy, build, or borrow. I want to help them do that process. And that's what the ideal client needs. And then in the end, long term, what we're trying to do is figure out, how do you get it done? Uh, So those ideal clients are really partners and figuring out, how do you get there? Excellent.
0: Yeah, love that. And I know that, you know, running your own practice, you know, sometimes it can be challenging, uh, you know, uh, going out there on your own shingle. But one of the great things that, uh, you know, exists are communities, especially for independents like us and uh, the CoSolo community. We've had several people in here and you're, you're one of the people who really helps pull the strings and 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 uh, helps organize that um i'd love for you to share your kind of co-solo story and and how you got to know the uh, community
1: well it kind of goes on to what i just said and i think it's ideal time to talk about it because it's uh, i joined co-solo from the start with uh i have to give credit to tony lou in, in, in starting it with another guy named rahul and uh as you go through your journey in life whatever career You're trying to learn from each other and figure out exactly what's out there. That's part of the education piece then. And then figure out, okay, what am I going to do with this? How do I get myself better? And Tony started this, I think from the start, I'm going to say 2019. And he just got a first group of guys together after going to David A. Fields course. And what he provided was just, okay, we learned something. How do we apply it? I didn't go to the course that time. So I was like, this sounds interesting. So I jumped on the bandwagon. I was one of those first guys there. and you know, I love the, the methodology and the approach that I start adapting it. And I believe that the best way to learn something is to just dive right in. What I loved about Solo was the community. First of all, like you said, it's a bunch of trusted people that I like to look at my as my board advisors that has built my business. And they're going to look out for me and I'm going to look out for them. That's one. The second thing is that you got to call me out when I'm not doing something. Besides being a board advisor, give me that kick in my pants every now and then. Say, hey, look, you know, mm, there's some things out there that you should be doing that you know. And I, I say I've learned a lot. And in that journey, I've got the next level of saying, hey, I believe in this community and I do want to help each other, everyone else out. I want to make sure we're providing some insights that, hey, the guy who started maybe two, three years ago is not getting to the, to the next level of his business of the foundational, we can get them there and then just grow. If, I believe in paying it forward too. It's like, Jonathan, if I can help you out get next level, I'm sure we're going to rookie Bobby this and we're going to shake and bake. And later you're going to pull him back. I know a guy named Roy who does something like whatever Roy does. And we pull him in. I think that's, that's the whole joy of the cold soul community that we're in it and we're not, we're not jerks. We're here to help each other out and refer each other and, and elevate each other. And I think that's the most important thing in the community. We're also providing some education we're also providing some opportunities and just having fun doing it. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a cool factor. Oh, so my journey has been been from the start till now where I'm actually facilitating some teams and just, I'm learning every day and that's, a, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I have to say thanks for, you know, facilitating uh, the sessions I've been able to take part in. And uh, it was really int- interesting today how, uh, I really like the part where, you know, everyone talked about because we we're coming to the end of a cycle to actually say, you know, oh, what, what, uh you know, what things did you really find useful out of this group? And I think, like you say, they spoke to those things, community, uh, but also hearing insights, not just on their own or, or feedback for their own, you know, work, the things that they're working on, but also on other people's and just having, getting the, having the benefit of all these different perspectives from people, you know, with, with vastly different. Uh, you know, deep expertise.
1: I think that's the benefit of it, right? We're none of them have the same path, but hey, look at this, Jonathan. You're you're an expert in this. the The whole podcast I, you know, I wouldn't know how to put my toe into it without your help. And uh, they they have another guy who's a lawyer who does great purpose driven marketing and just education out there. We got lawyers out there. I, I you know, these are experts in their own field. With a totally different perspective, I and mean, you just got to respect the grind, and say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm trying to get into a new field. How does this work? Where do I go for this? And, you know, I don't like to use a mastermind because we're more, we're, we're trying to be masters. We're always learning, and I think that's great. Getting everyone's opinion, and because we trust them, or I would like to say we're friends, we can uh, leverage that expertise in our own world, right? But and and there's one thing one one guy said. In his transition from corporate to starting his own thing, it, it was very hard to figure out the balance. What does he ground himself to? Was, was this meeting a week, the accountability? And he says, you know what? At least I have this one thing going from a corporate environment to have this one meeting. It kind of resets and anchors his his week to make sure he's doing all the things he's supposed to be doing. And I think that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gives that added uh, sense of accountability and structure that's sometimes lacking. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, great. And, um, and Roy, I'd love for us to, you know, maybe as we come into the latter stage of, of this interview, um, if you have, you know, obviously you're, you're involved in the insurance tech space. Um, I'm curious if you have any insights into like, you know, do you see trends that industry is going towards or? Anything kind of bubbling to the surface these days that? uh
1: So I'm going to back up your question to say that before I got the trends, I had a lot of learning, right? So I was in the insurance corporate side and I had a lot of fun being there. Uh, I I got to experience the world of insurance, literally the world. I learned insurance from Asia, Korea to be specific. I didn't know insurance in the US at all. That was not my field. I was an engineer first and then they threw me into Korea. I didn't know the language. But I knew, that I, and I had to learn the business at the same time. And over my time of learning there, I did encounter uh, consultants, right? the, the big consultants that uh, put that dark, gloomy clouds. Like, uh, and I, I like to refer to uh, the uh, one of the movies, Office Space, that says, "So, Roy, what what do you say you do here? What do you the bobs?" <laughs> and I was trying to explain to them what I did, and then I came to realize. It's not what I did, is where they wanted to go. Right. And it goes to insurance trends. Right. And I, you know, and I challenge status quo. I was like, well, why are we doing it? I want to be educated. And just as we did this past week, I wanted to understand before I got understood in terms of what we wanted to achieve. And to your question now, come back for a circle now, I didn't forget is that, hey, so what are the trends? Well, I understood the insurance world, I've been doing it for, uh, about 15 years now, to the fact of, well, where is it going? There's so much more. There's so much money in insurance that where to spend it and what the right innovations are still being defined. And I think that's so exciting. So to your question, there's there's carriers who insure, the big ones we know that have our life and health. The trends are coming out, the innovation, the technology guys who don't know insurance and trying to figure out, hey, I want to get on this because there's, there's money to be made an opportunity to be had. There's investors and there's smaller guys, startups who are trying to get into that world. So if you look at that community, the trend all depends on what's next. And I'll tell you the, the couple trends I like. There's more than what I have to say but I love the point of sale insurance where you're not even thinking about insurance anymore. You're just saying Tesla does this. Well, I bought a Tesla. I don't have, I can't afford a Tesla yet, but it's the fact that I bought one. All oh, the insurance is part of the signing package. So you're not thinking about the insurance. I have to go out and look for insurance. They already have it embedded and set up for you for your purchase. Or even when you go to like the Costco or something, they have that clicks. Like you want to insure these headphones you just bought for, X dollars, that's point of sale. And then the other one that I think is really fascinating, they call it parametric insurance. So they, like the Ubers, right? If your food doesn't arrive in like five hours, they're gonna pay you out. It's like, oh, we just pay the money and, and the food goes to waste, but who's paying for all that, right? Insurance covers that. You just get paid out with a little extra, and so does the, the, the rest and covers their cost. I think it's fascinating. If weather goes bad in We just had hurricanes in the middle of the U.S. Parametric insurance said we noticed that there was a hurricane from NOAA, the National uh, Weather Authority. We're just going to pay out those claims for those who had insurance in hurricanes or or tornadoes, and we just pay them out. There's no claims processes. All that overhead is gone. I think that's fascinating. So those are the trends, uh, point of sale, things embedded, embedded insurance where we don't even know there's insurance in there, but it's in there. Like our credit cards do that. I think that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's funny. This is actually a point of contention with my wife sometimes because we we book holidays and she says, oh, we have to get travel insurance. I'm like, yeah, but everything's covered by our card. But she's like, often we just end up getting it just for peace of mind.
1: <laughs> it's layered, right? So yeah. that's a very interesting one. It depends on which card you have and how much they cover. There's all, And that the extra insurance is that gap. They only cover so much. But I I find that everybody's got to get their piece of the pie, right? So, and then, you know, for your peace of mind, for your wife and minds, it's always that factor of, well, if something goes bad, and especially in the times we live in, right, if we're going to pull out, we want to get covered. So there's always new ways of the same product being covered for you. I feel that that's an interesting innovation of business innovation in insurance, Mm -hmm. so to say. I'm sure some carriers as folks might not like that comment, but, you know, I'll just say it like it is. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent.
0: And so finally, uh, uh, Roy, as we we kind of start wrapping things up here, can you tell us more about, you know, where people can find out more about you online, where they can connect with you? What's your social platform of choice?
1: So as a business-minded person, I don't know why, but I love LinkedIn because um, I've been going a little more into it recently. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm the true return on investment uh, because it's my name. And uh, so, hopefully, people can find me on, on LinkedIn doing ROI, Raj, HANSRAJ. And uh, I'm tied to a couple of platforms there. But one of the couple of things that I think it's interesting with those who connect with me on LinkedIn is that I love to follow up, have the conversation because it's learning what we can do together in terms of what are you trying to achieve and what am I trying to achieve and see if we can help each other out. I'm also part of Tech New York. So I've been on the conference rounds recently and mm-hmm. going to a couple of events. Every month, actually, and uh, it all depends on how uh, what's open and what's not. But uh, come on the 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 rotations with these different insure tech platforms that are out there, and uh, let's have a conversation. I would love to have the conversation, any and everybody, to figure out because I think like our previous topic was insurances and everything. We just got to figure out the right way to get into the market, and I would love to talk to anybody about it. Excellent, great. Well, uh,
0: Roy, it's always a pleasure to to speak with you. And I want to say thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Thanks, thanks for having me. It's been exciting, and uh, look forward to doing another later. Hopefully, absolutely. <laughs> All right. All right.